20 marathons. And coming into the new year, I mean, I just didn't stop running. We were doing this launch the first week of January, and it was just like nonstop. I mean, I decided I will never do that again the month of December. I will never do that again. It's like Christmas was a blur. It was just horrible. I'm never doing that again. Um, so I repented after my December. But I came into January really needing some time off. I was exhausted. And so I did that. Thank you so much, Catherine, for covering. Thank you to the team. Just thanks for everybody that made that possible. And Brian and I had our 11th year anniversary, so we went to Vegas. And Brian had never been to a Cirque du Soleil show. Have you all know what Cirque du Soleil is? It's like the acrobats and the, I mean, the people, the crazy trapeze people, and they're standing on each other's shoulders. And I mean, it was, it was, we had so much fun. And we just ate like a five star meal. And, you know, we stayed in this great little hotel that's really nice off of the, you know, without the gambling, without the smoking, all that. So it was really, you know, we were there, but we weren't there. It was fun. It was like, it was fun. We had a good time, didn't we? I think it got our juices flowing to say we're going to do that way more often. My husband's fun. I like to get away with him. He's fun. He's fun. He really is. He's a fun guy. You know, you got to keep dating once you get married, y'all. You know, it's so important to have fun with your spouse. You know, you can get, you know, you can go through the motions all day, but I like hanging out with my, my honey. And then his birthday was yesterday. So we had another fun time this weekend with that. And then, and then, Catherine and I, the weekend before that, had gone to a conference, and Eric was there, and uh, uh, James and Scarlett were there. Yep, Juanita was there. So we had a little little contingency here from Encounter Church that went up to the Wealth Builders Conference with Bill, Billy Eberhardt and Paul Milligan and those guys. And so that was a, a great weekend to get away. So I came back and just had been really excited about getting back into the swing of things. And now I really feel excited about 2012. It took me a month <laughs> to get, yeah, see, I don't even know what year I'm in. Um, but it took me a little bit to get excited, honestly, because I was just so tired. And God has been speaking these amazing things. But it was like, you know, when you're tired, you're just like, you know, somebody could be like, and you're just so tired, you can't even get excited, you know. So I needed some time with the Lord. I needed some time to recalibrate. And how many of you know, we all need that. And if you haven't done that and you're tired, you know what, you might need a couple of weeks off or something, you know, just to, I'll tell you, it is so important to operate in the kingdom from a place of rest. Uh, you know, I think it's sometimes we can do more harm than good when we just keep going from a place of being empty and being in a place where we're not really operating in faith. We're just going through the motions and, you know, if Jesus, I mean, I know Jesus lived an exhausting life. You know, I mean, he had people just on, you know, just constantly expecting things from him. And, you know, he would, there were times when he couldn't even, you know, get something to eat or get into a house because the crowds were just put pressing on him. And so he would take time regularly to get away with the father. And, you know, before he picked his disciples, before he made any major decision, he always went away with the father. And, um... You know, I think sometimes my team would much rather me not be at home seeking God. I mean, I know in their minds they know it's the best place for me to be, but they're, you know, they're ready to run. And I'm like, no, we're going to seek God. We're not going to just run. We're going to we're going to hear God. You know, um, let me share one thing from the conference that, um, that Lance Wallnow was one of the speakers at this weekend, too. If you've never heard Lance, <laughs> Lance is crazy, isn't he? He's awesome. You know, he does the Seven Mountains teaching. But, I mean, literally, he's Jewish. He has a Jewish background. And it's, he's the kind of guy that when you listen to, you can't take notes. Because you're, by the time you've written down what he just said, he's on to something else. And it's all so deep. 
like you're irritated because you're trying to get the last deep thing and now he's on to something, you know, like you're just, isn't it frustrating like to try to take notes when you're listening to him? So you just have to put your pen down and just say, Jesus, we'll get the recording. And if you want me to hear something, let me hear it. But one thing I heard, I heard a couple of really strategic things. And I'm going to share with you what I heard um, out of this. And one of them, he, he has this thing with, he does the seven mountains. And the seven mountains, he draws this little thing with seven, it's like, you know, the whiteboard, and he puts seven mountains up there. And the seven mountains, by the way, are the spheres of influence in a culture. They're the mind molders of culture. So there are things like government and education and arts and entertainment and media and business, right, and family. So there's seven of these mountains. And he does this teaching that basically, you know, a lot of times we think church is going inward to a place rather than recognizing the only reason you go to church is so you can send out, go into all the world, right? And... So he talks about, you know, you know, finding the, the mountain that you're called to, and he does all of that. But here's what he said. And there's a big mountain kind of he puts behind the seven mountains, and it really represents, like, the mountain that you're called to conquer, right? And he was talking about going around the mountain, going around the mountain. And he had this little thing up around the mountain, up around. And he said this. He said, he said, you know, a lot of times when you're pursuing the call of God on your life. And by the way, there are seasons that we go through as we are prepared for what God has called us to do. Did you know that? There's seasons of preparation. Absolutely. There are seasons of preparation. You can look at the life of Joseph. You can look at the life of David. You can look at the life of Jesus, right? You can look at the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Like if you go through and specifically look at people, I encourage you anyway, to look at people that actually fulfilled the call of God on their life, right? And you'll see that there's various seasons. I mean, you know, Joseph probably didn't like being, you know, falsely accused in Potiphar's house, you know? I mean, but that season, false accusation season, oh, that's no fun, right? But the point is, David, when he's out and hiding in the caves, right, because Saul's pursuing him, I mean, there are things in, in his character, there are things... That, that God is developing in each of the seasons that we go through that are required for us to really be able to carry the glory that we've been called to, to steward in the earth. And so each one of these seasons is so important, right? Like we just want to be King David in the ruling, you know, Jerusalem season. But we don't realize that if you get to the throne before you're ready, the enemy's going to take you, take the throne from you. You're not even going to be able to possess and stay on the throne that you've been called to sit on. Does that make sense? So a lot of times it appears like we're going around mountains, but it's just we're learning. We're getting the lessons down. And how many of you know in the kingdom, you, there's no such thing as failure? There's as many do-overs as you need, right? And God finances your line, learning curve. He really does. I mean, it may be like, it may feel like the wilderness. You may be living miracle to miracle, but he's, he's financing your way. You, do you know what I'm saying? And this is true. If you look back over your life and your testimony, you'll see that. You'll see there's been various seasons. And, you know, am I, am I preaching to the right people? Yeah? Okay. Can I get an amen? All right. All right. Well, you know, Lance was saying this. He was saying, you know, the thing about each one of these seasons that you go around, you're not just going around the same circle on the mountain. No, you're going up as you go circle, as you circle. So each time you're going up, right? You're looking from a different vantage point, right? So that was, that was something I just wanted to share. And then the other thing that I felt, he was really powerful. He said, you know, a lot of times we're also trying to go up this mountain and the mountain represents 
When you get to the top of your mountain, let's just be clear, it's, it's a season in life that's called convergence. And you've heard me talk about this a lot. Convergence is a powerful word. And it, it basically describes the season in your life where your giftings, your anointing, your experience, right, your character, all of those things converge to the place where you are now entering into that Davidic reigning season or whatever. You know, I remember one time going to a prayer meeting with Andrew Walmack. This was before, you know, before they cut, they moved, you know, broke ground up here on the property, and he just had some local leaders get together. He had us over at the lodge up on the property, and we were all sitting downstairs in the basement, just whatever, talking or whatever. And I remember literally, <laughs> it reminded me of like the Mount of Transfiguration or something. It's kind of cheesy, but just bear with me. Because that really happened. It actually really happened. And all of a sudden, I kind of looked at Andrew, and he looked like he was kind of like this wax figure, like he didn't look real. Like he looked like a wax figure in the wax museum or something. It was really bizarre, right? And I'm watching it, and it was like my physical eyes. Like he literally, with my physical eyes, I could see something on him. And I remember leaving and being like, God, like what the heck is that? And he said to me, he said, Andrew is entering into the season of convergence in his life. He said he's done an enormous amount up to this point, and there has been a lot of, you know, battles and preparation and things that have led him to this season. He said, but what you saw is a man that is heading into convergence. Isn't that a powerful thing? So convergence, I really believe it's real. I believe that it's biblical, and I believe that there are biblical examples. And you can look around and around, you know, the body of Christ, and you can, you really can say, okay, because I always say this, there's a difference between a call and a commission. There's a big difference between a call and a commission. You can be called to something your whole life, but there's there's a season when you actually get commissioned into that. And then just because you get commissioned into it, that doesn't even mean that you're really in convergence, right? It means that you're in in a different season leading up to convergence where you're actually, like for David, how many of you know he didn't get the kingdom all at once, right? How many of you know the Israelites? They didn't pull into the promised land and get all the whole promise. There was the battles. There were things that were, they were had to possess. They had to possess and occupy the territory and the sphere of influence, the metron that they were called to occupy. Does that make sense? Right. So there was something that, uh, am I preaching the right people today? Okay. So there was another thing that Lance talked about where, um, you know, he talked about kind of toiling up the mountain, you know, where you're, you're it's just toil, right? Um, he said there's a higher way. And he said, and in the kingdom and with believers, we are not designed to operate like the world. Like there's a place for natural wisdom. And I've been really working through this even in my own quiet time with the Lord because it's even when you go to a place like Wealth Builders or something, it's so important to recognize, yes, there are principles of business, there are principles of this, but the Bible, we are not called to operate. The world operates like that. You know what I mean? Like we're not. I mean, there is such a thing as the supernatural. <laughs> and we are called to, I mean, Jesus is an example of, some, he just lived supernaturally. I mean, he didn't go get a second job to pay his tax bill. I mean, I know that, that it has got to be preached. Because until it's preached, you can't believe it. And until you can believe it, you can't experience it. He didn't, you know, he, he went to a fish's mouth. It is ludicrous. It is crazy talk. It's crazy talk. But somehow Peter just did what he said. I mean, you know. And the point is that Lance was talking about this higher way of operating. And he was saying as believers, we can get into the glory. We can go into a place of the presence of God. And we can get in the presence of God what you can never get from natural wisdom. 
You can never get from a five-step program. You can never get that from naturally applying principles. Like you can go up there and next thing you know, water's getting turned into wine. Your doors are being opened. You're being parachuted down the mountain, in other words. He was like, you go up to the glory and then you get parachuted at a higher level. And, you know, I'm just saying we don't have to do the thing naturally. So that was just another little tidbit from the conference. That, and we got lots of good things, but isn't that good stuff? You know, and so getting into the practice, if you're not getting into the glory regularly, you're living naturally. You know, Eric asked me, well, how do you get into the glory? Well, it's learning to practice the presence of God and experience the tangible presence of God. You know, we had a little bit of a crazy night last night. Yesterday was, you know, Brian's birthday and... (laughs) You know, right before we're supposed to go to dinner, we got the presents, we're about to go to dinner, all this stuff. I mean, Lily starts complaining of a headache and a stomachache. You know, we're praying it off of her. And as soon as we'd pray it off, like five minutes, if she came out of my presence, basically, it would come back. I would hug her, it'd leave. As soon as she left my presence, she'd come back and crying again. And, you know, so we're like, okay, we're going in the car, like, in Jesus' name. Like, I knew it was an attack, because if it's not an attack, it doesn't leave when it's in your presence. I mean, even if it is an attack, even if it was something physical, it still should be. I mean, you know, we just operate so naturally. And I'm like, no, okay, we're getting in the car. We get there, you know, she's, we get there. Long long story short, she ends up throwing up in the middle of the restaurant, right? Lovely. Happy birthday, Brian. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Right? Oh, God. It was so terrible. I felt so sorry for the people that had to clean. It was just terrible. Well, I know. But, ah. Anyway, I forgot my point. I was making a point. What was my point before I started talking about the throw-up story? Getting in the glory. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. There was a point. It was not just a throw-up story. Okay. So we get home. She's fine after she throws up, you know, whatever. We get home. And, do, I, you know, I'm a little flustered. You know, we packed up our food. We didn't get to eat. Poor Brian, his birthday. You know, I feel like, man, I should not have taken her out. I felt bad about it. You know, just, you know, mommies, you know, they just want to do the right thing. And you're like your, your husband, it's your child, you know, it's all that. And I get home and I'm thinking, I got to get in the glory. You know, sometimes you just think, well, I got to go to bed or I got to do this. No, you know, you got to get in the glory. And it's important that you learn how to do that. And it's really just turning your attention to the presence of God, to the indwelling presence of God inside of you. You're not trying to climb up to heaven to get to the throne room right? You're just turning your attention to the indwelling presence of God. And, you know, I just simply acknowledge it. You acknowledge it. The word says in Philemon um, chapter one, that our faith becomes effectual as we acknowledge all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. And so you just begin to acknowledge, like these little people over here are doing now, the presence of God. And you just, you know, and here's something I do a lot, and I'll just share this little tidbit. I begin to just breathe and I'll breathe in the presence of God that surrounds me and I'll exhale the presence of God that dwells in me and I'll inhale the, and I mean, I can just, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll be gone. If I start doing this right now, I'll be, we won't finish the service, right? Because it just brings you, I've, I've learned how to, you know, just get into the realm of glory. And I'm telling you that peace that surpasses understanding will flood your heart and mind in that place. It will flood your heart and mind in that place. And all of a sudden, the things you were concerned about, the things you were worried about, the things that were bothering you, they, if you know that, that song that says, how's that song go, Chris? And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. In the light of his glory. That's kind of how it happens. The things of the world just start to become small and little, and his presence becomes big. You know? And in that place, we've got to learn to live more in that place. 
I heard Bill Johnson say one time that he, re- he takes regular presence breaks throughout the day. If he finds himself starting to toil or he's starting to start to worry or he sees, feels stressed out or he, you know, just you feel, you feel human. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you just start to feel human. Well, you can learn. You can learn to like, okay, time, it's a timeout, right? Timeout for grownups. It's a timeout for grownups where you just, you sit and you, you know, breathe or whatever you do, you know. At Bethel, this is what they do, right? They assume the position. If you walk around Bethel, people walk around like this. Like, hold this, Lisa. Why? Because that's how they taught people to practice the presence there. And so it's just a connector. It's like Pavlov's dog. <laughs> you know, you ring the bell, you salivate. So, you know, you sal- salivate. Salivate. Thank you. So glad I'm intelligent. Um, but, you know, there are, you literally can program like triggers. We, we hear about negative triggers all the time. Well, gosh, how about how we have some positive triggers, <laughs> right? And you can, you can pause, you can start to associate, for me, the breathing. And I, I do that. I breathe in the presence of God that surrounds me. I breathe out the presence of God that dwells in me. That's just a simple thing I do. It doesn't, there's no scripture for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a scriptural religious activity. It's what, it's just what it takes for you to develop awareness. When I first started to learn to practice the tangible, and I'm talking about the tangible presence of God. How many of you know the tangible presence of God is real? It's a real thing. You can feel it, physically feel it. Okay, and I didn't know that. I didn't get taught that in the Baptist church growing up. You know, I didn't get, I didn't get taught that. And then when I did kind of get exposed to it, I'm thinking, that's freaky weird. Like, I don't know if I want to be one of those, because, you know, but then I, you know, so that when I first started learning about the tangible part, the only way I, I, is I would literally just have to be with another believer, like my husband, and I could, it's like I could almost draw, you know, just by holding hands. It's like touching a green or something. There was something that would happen. But my point is, we need to be regularly taking presence breaks because we have to live, we have to go from just living like humans to living like sons. Right? Good. All right. Well, I actually have something I wanted to share today and I don't want to run out of time. So I'm going to jump into it. That was just all like a little bonus, little mini sermon. And, um, I'm pretty excited about a couple things. I mean, I'm excited about a lot of stuff, but, um, I'm excited about the things that the Father is speaking to me. I'm excited about the breakthrough uh, strategies that he's giving me. You know, coming into this year, uh, our, our foundation scripture for the year, the 2016 verse of the year, is on your bulletin. I'm going to change it again, Tracy. I keep changing it honor, but it's the same scripture. I'm not changing the scripture, but I keep getting her to add a little bit or do a different translation. And I want to, I want to change the translation and I want to change it to, from the new living translation, I want to change it to the voice. And I feel like the voice is the best one I've found that really brings out what I believe the father is trying to speak to us. How many of you have prophetic words over your life that you know are impossible for you to accomplish? Raise your hands if you have those prophetic words. Okay, if you don't have them yet, they're there. You just hadn't got them yet. And if you hang around us too long, you're probably to get them. But there are prophetic words over your life that are naturally impossible for you to bring to pass in and of yourself. You know, how many of you know God doesn't give you a prophetic word and then expect you to bring it to pass? Man, how many times do we have to be reminded of that, right? 
How many times do we take ownership of the words that God has spoken over our lives and we try to somehow, you know, make it happen, right? There's an example of that in Scripture. Could you all know what it is? Ishmael. Remember Hagar and Abraham? How many of you know he took the responsibility to bring this thing to pass? I'm going to have a son, and he goes and sleeps with a servant girl, right? How many of you know that didn't turn out so well, right? Because what's, what's born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. See what I'm saying? And so let me also say this. you got to get free of any of the condemnation that you may be feeling that you personally may be feeling because you're not further along or because it hasn't already happened, because your your efforts have failed. <laughs> your self-human efforts to bring those prophetic words to pass in your life have dismally failed. And now you should be condemned about it. I sh- you should be guilty about that, and you should take that on. And I'm just telling you, you got to let that go. Okay, you got to really let that go because it's it's the enemy's strategy. It's the enemy's strategy because if he can keep you, number one, responsible to bring it to pass and then mad at yourself because you're not, how can, can you see how that, that is a, just a complete, complete strategy to keep the word of God that is dangerous to him? Because the prophetic word over your life is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. It is going to cause, wreak havoc. It is going to set captives free. It is going to glorify Jesus, and it is going to displace the squatter, who is the enemy, who's holding stuff that doesn't even belong to him. People, money, right? Territory, real estate, assets. He's sitting on our stuff. He's sitting on the stuff that Jesus purchased. He's squatting on it, amen? Acting like he's the owner. And that trying to get you to be smart enough to, to get him off of it. Or, or not, not, not even be, you know, most of the time he doesn't even want you to see that he's on it. But it's a strategy. And so you got to let that go. You really have to let go. You know, how many of you know Abraham was not going to be able to will himself into being the father of a multitude? How many of you know willpower was not going to get him there? How do you know discipline wasn't going to get him there? What was going to get him there? And what does that mean? Because we say it like it's, what does that actually mean? He was going to have to believe. It says, in, right, it says in Romans, it says that he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, right? Believing that God was able to do what he had promised. Let me say it a different way. That he believed that God was able to do what he prophesied. That God was able to take the prophecy that he put, when he called Abraham, when he called things that be not as though they were, and he said, Abraham, I call you the father of a nation. Abraham, I call you the father of a multitude. There is a nation that's going to be raised up from you. The son of God is going to come through your heir. He's going to be your heir to your, you know, and here you are. He's past age. He's old, right? He's impotent. You know, he's way, way past his prime. Sarah, you know, I mean, she's done, she's gone through menopause. Right? So you think, you know, I'm too old. Why pick an old person? Right? Because it's miraculous. That's why. And it gives God a whole lot of glory. That's why. Because no, no flesh can glory in his presence. Jesus plans to be God. Right? And he's not looking for you to help him. He can be God all by himself. He was God all by himself. He didn't ask anybody's permission to go to the cross, did he? Did he plan redemption without your input? But when? 
before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. So I'm telling you, he planned a whole lot of things before, the, before he ever said, let there be light. In Ephesians 1, it said that he planned for you in love to be adopted, to be holy and blameless before him. In chapter 1, it goes through that. And then it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we're his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that he planned beforehand, that we might walk in. And he says, preparing paths. So even the path that we were supposed to take. So there's some plans, amen? And the prophecy that you got or the prophecy that I got, it was, it was just God letting us in on it. Right? It was just God letting you in on what he's already planned. Right? And so many times we look at ourselves and we look at the prophecy and we say, that is not me. I mean, Sarah laughed. I think it's funny that the, the son was called Isaac because it means laughter. And let me tell you, it was the son of laughter. The son of promise was the son of laughter because it was laughable how unbelievable this plan actually of God was. Right? Unbelievable. And you know, there's something about, you know, I think there's just something about old people. Think about like, think about like, um, you know, uh, John the Baptist. And you know, the angel had to shut that dude up. He was so full of unbelief, he had to just shut him up. Like, I'm not, you're not going to talk anymore. Like, that's enough, Zachariah. Is that, that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. you got to just shut him up. Like, he can't say nothing else because all that's coming out of his mouth is unbelief. And, and, and if, he didn't, if he keeps talking like that, dude, John the Baptist is going to have some problems. Like, he's not going to get to come because he was just talking all kinds of smack, right? So, so, first of all, let me just say, first of all, you're not too old. Now, if you're not old, let me say it a different way. You're not too young. Right? So here we have these things that God has spoken over our lives. We have, you know, even if it's not a prophetic word, let me go a different way with this. Because you're like, well, maybe I don't, let me just say, let me just say the word of God. <laughs> let me just say, just pick a promise. You don't have to have like a, a sure word of prophecy. You can just open up the book and look in there and it says by his stripes we're healed. You can look in there and say that, you know, uh, he shall supply all of our needs according to our riches and glory. I mean, you can go in there and find, um, I mean, how many promises are there? They're all yes and amen, but there's a ton in there, right? I mean, a ton. Like, what's your problem? Go find the word. I mean, you got a breakthrough word in the word, amen? Okay, so you don't have to have this, you know, prophetic word over your life. I mean, if you do, well, God help you. That's a good prayer. God help you. You know, but it, it, even if you're just pulling a word out, there's a, let's say there's a bondage in your life right now. Whatever that might be. You know, I mean, you're just working. You've got a bondage. What, what is, I mean, it comes in all kinds of flavors, right? And you just have one. There's a promise in the word of God that, that grants you freedom from that. There is a, a word. You know, when I was barren and not able to have babies and I was experiencing serial miscarriages, God gave me a word, right? He makes the barren woman to be the joyful mother of children and keep house, right? That's my promise. That's the word of God for this situation. Now, Shalise, what you going to do? So I'm just saying how many promises are in our lives right now that we aren't experiencing? So a prophetic word or a promise? We have, we, do we, does everybody have one now? Okay, can everyone, pro, like, you either got a bondage or a prophecy, right? Or you got an area of your life that the heaven has not manifested in, okay? Well, coming into 2016, 
you know, there's a, you know, the Lord just gave us the scripture. And I'm going to read it in the voice. This is Mark 9, 23 through 24. And it says, now listen, the context of this story, by the way, in Mark chapter 9, let me set it up a little bit. Now, this is the demoniac boy, right? When I say the demoniac boy, he was epileptic. (laughs) He suffered seizures, right? Today, we give people medicine for that. We don't take them to an exorcism. I'm just saying. Do you have any natural solutions we have for demonic issues, right? We've been given testimony after testimony around here. You know, our guitar player, Heath, who was going blind, who got totally right healed, right? I mean, just, why? I mean, and you, you, in the natural, you just go get glasses. I'm just saying, right? So here they have this situation that has a natural explanation. The guy has an epileptic. Now, see, they didn't have medicine for it back then. So there was no hope unless you got healed and got that thing cast out. Well, Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And he comes down and there's this whole commotion going on. And the disciples are being questioned by the religious leaders. Right? So you know that's not going well. you got the religious leaders and the fishermen. <laughs> right? The unqualified people to be spiritual leaders. And the supposedly qualified people to be spiritual leaders going at it with one another. And Jesus comes up, wants to know what's going on. And he, the father of the young boy says, my disciples could not cure him. I brought them to him, but they couldn't cure him. And Jesus turns around and rebukes the disciples and says, you unbelieving and faithless generation, how much longer must I suffer you? And he says, bring the boy to me. Right? So first of all, he's rebuking the disciples. And why is he rebuking them? Because they were unable to do what he had already laid hands and commissioned and anointed them and sent them out to do because he'd already told them go into all, you know, not all the world. He said, I mean, he said, go and preach the kingdom. And he said, freely you've received, freely give, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse the leper. Right? So, and, and they, they went, they were already been commissioned to do this. So he was telling them the reason that they could not deal with this epileptic spirit was because of their unbelief. And so the boy comes, and the boy's father comes to Jesus and begs him, if there's anything you can do for my son, if there's anything you can do, please, please do something for my son. And, you know, Jesus asks him questions. He's like, well, how long has this thing been with him? And so the father gives the explanation. He's like, well, you know, hey, he tosses him in the fire. It's been with him since he was a child. You know, it tries to kill him, basically. And then this is what, um, so when the father says, oh, if you can do anything, please, you know, if you can. And here's what it says in the voice. It says, Jesus said to him, he's talking to the father, you say to me, if you can. Well, all things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me. And immediately the father of the boy cried out with desperate, with a desperate piercing cry. And in the voice, here's what it says. I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, this is different than what, you know, in the other one, it just says, help me overcome my unbelief. But unbelief is a little sneaky thing. Because in one sense, most of us are not just purely unbelieving. Most of us do believe, but there's an aspect of unbelief that we're also dealing with. Meaning we mentally agree. Like we can read the scriptures and we can say, God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. 
I mean, we mentally agree with that. We're like, yes, God is a supernatural provider. Yes, God is our source. Yes, all of that. But as soon as we get faced with any kind of lack or any kind of attack in our finances, how do we react? Even though we mentally agree with the scripture. Because the way that you react is what you truly believe. Because your beliefs ultimately come out of your, what you've experienced in life, not what you've learned in life. Not what you, you, do you see what I'm saying? And so we believe, or we can say sometimes we want to believe, like we want to believe, right? But help my unbelief. Now, I want to take you to another scripture that may seem unrelated, but it's not. In 2 Corinthians 2.10, I'm going to start in verse 3, and I'm also going to read it in the voice. Here's what it says. For though we walk in the world, we do not fight according to the world's rules of warfare. And the King James, it says, though that we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. All right? In verse 4, the weapons of the war we're fighting are not of this world, but they are powered by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against the truth. So unbelief, for that matter, or belief, let me just say it another way. I, I, really, I want to call today's teaching misplaced faith. Because that's ultimately what unbelief is. It's misplaced faith. You have faith. It's just placed in the wrong thing. It's misplaced. Does that make sense? And when he says that we walk in the flesh, but we don't war in the flesh, that we walk in the world, but we do not uh, fight according to this world, here's the thing. Another way to think about when you hear the word, the word flesh is, or the world, all right? It means that we are not to be governed by our five physical senses, by our, by our, what we, what we see with our physical eyes, what we hear with our physical ears, what we smell with our physical nose, what we taste with our physical mouth, and what we touch with our physical sense of touch. That, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't really have any other way to operate, right? When Adam fell, how many of you know it says that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the way of the world? The knowledge of right and wrong, the knowledge of, 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 of self-assessment of situations. The, the, it's judgment apart from the Spirit of God. It's carnal thinking. It's, it's, it's setting yourself up as God in the situation. And it's, it, it's being led by your physical senses. It's basically taking information that you can get from the physical realm and it is causing, you're using that to evaluate what is true, what is right, what is wrong, evaluate a situation. And you are not operating from another level because all of us have five other spiritual senses. All right, we have spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, a spiritual sense of smell. We have a spiritual sense of touch. That's how you feel the presence of God. Right? You have a spiritual sense of taste. And these spiritual senses, as a believer, it says that we, we don't, it says that um, the just shall live by faith. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Meaning we've got to walk in another way. We've got to live in another way. We've got to war in another way. And it's not the way of the flesh. It's not the way of what you can, what you can feel, what you can sense with your physical eyes. It's not the, it's not the doctor's report. Amen? It's not, it's not the number in your bank account. It's not the number in your 401k statement. You know, it's not, it's not the physical information that is being sent to you through a, your physical gates, your eye, all of those ways. That, that is not the way that we war. 
Now, it might report to you the battle you're in. Because let's be clear, we're in a battle. Now, if, let, me, let me say why you're in a battle. Because if you don't even think you're in a battle, you're already deceived. Okay, but you are in a war for the manifestation. You are in a war for the manifestation of the call of God on your life. You're in a war for the manifestation of the things that Jesus purchased on the cross. I'm sorry, if the devil is defeated and sickness was taken and poverty, since he became poor, if all those things were actually absorbed into Jesus, if he became sin and the consequences of sin on the cross, we are in a war to see that victory manifest in our lives and in the lives of those that we lead and the lives of those that we're called to. And I'm telling you what, we are going after prisoners of war. We are called to set the captives free. And I'll tell you what, we got to be free first. And the first thing you got to be free of is the deception that somehow we're living naturally. And being led by your five physical senses. Because you will, you will be, the devil will beat you on that plane every single time. You will be deceived every single time because you cannot judge it. You cannot judge it. I mean, Jesus time and time again had to pray the prayer. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. Your agenda be done. He didn't trust himself to man because he knew what was in men's hearts. We can't be led by that plane. And I'm telling you, yeah, we got to get in the glory. Because it is an intense fight. If Jesus had to be in the garden sweating to blood, like in blood, he's in there fighting because the will of God is saying this. And he's, I mean, he is resisting. And it tells us, hey, you know what? You've got to throw off the weight. And it tells us, this is in Hebrews chapter 12, you've got to throw off that weight and that sin that has so easily beset you. And you've got to, right? And you've got to run that race. And you've got to look to Jesus. It says the author and the finisher of your faith. And he said, you have not yet resisted sin to the point of blood, to the point of death. But the point is we do have to resist and we have to resist what the natural realm is trying to tell you is true. And it is a war. And these strongholds of unbelief, the strongholds that keep us, they're the things that keep us because there is no other way to inherit the promise of God. There is no other way to get into the promised land. You are not going to see the prophecy of God come to pass in your life any other way. It is going to have to be, it's going to have to come with power. It's going to come with favor. It's going to come with God. It's going to come because God brought it to pass. Amen? And so that resistance that comes, man, I mean, you know, it's, it's real. That resistance is real. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? They're not carnal. They're not physical. They're not something you can see, taste, touch, and feel. They're not going to come from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're not going to come from that, right? They're going to come, they're going to come from the Spirit of God. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by His Spirit. And here it says, if you start in verse um, 5, it says, We are demolishing arguments and ideas and every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. We are taking prisoners of every thought and every, listen to this, every emotion, Every thought and every emotion. We're taking prisoners, thoughts, and emotions, and we're subduing them to the obedience of the anointed one. We can got to get off our feelings. you got to get off your feelings. Your feelings are the realm of the enemy. Unless the mind of Christ, unless, you know how you know if you've got the mind of Christ? Because you have peace. The emotions of God are righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, let me tell you what righteousness feels like. It's as bold as a lion. It feels like courage. It feels like encouraged. 
okay? Encouraged, bold, joyful, peaceful. That is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit. Your emotions are an indication of what you believe. And if you are not in peace, joy, and righteousness, and courage, and emboldened, there's a lie somewhere. There is a stronghold somewhere that has taken you captive. And your thoughts and your emotions, you are thinking and believing on a level that is the realm of the enemy. And so this prayer that this man prayed, the Lord told me, come into 2016, it's the only prayer you need, Shalise. The, oh, you need one. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to say some things or you're going to ask me for one thing this year, sister. One thing there. One thing, baby. Ask me for one thing. The same thing that that guy prayed for his son. Lord, I believe. Help me believe. Help my unbelief. You know, when I was standing for that, that I'm the joyful mother of children I keep house, there was a massive stronghold in my heart. I mean, I had a miscarriage image. I was terrified of miscarriage. Terrified. Even though I knew the word, I didn't even want to be terrified. I didn't want to be scared. I didn't want to, I did not want to believe the word of God that I knew barrenness was under the curse. I knew enough to know better. So mad. Mad at myself. Mad. I mean, this is life or death. These are babies that the devil is stealing. I mean, I know it's not abortion, but it might as well be. I'm not saying that miscarriage is the same as abortion. Please don't misread me. But I'm telling you, the enemy was stealing. And I was not confused. Thank God. God has reminded me so many times when I have failed in different areas or something. Or, you know, God, I wish I was further along. Or, you know, you're beating yourself up about something. And he's like, honey, listen. You know what? One of the things I really appreciate about you is when you were having those miscarriages, you were never once did you blame me. And he said, you know, you, you tried to blame yourself, but even then you knew that without my grace, you were helpless. You know, that, belief, that stronghold in you was not going to come down except through my power. Right? Are you following me? So we, you know, these strongholds. And so he's saying, you know, the Lord is saying, pray the prayer, Shalise. I dare you, just pray it, Shalise. Pray it. Help my unbelief. Show me, God. Show me, my, show me the stronghold. Show me where the thing is. Just show, and he, you know what? He'll show you. It says here that the weapons are a warfare, not carnal. They're mighty through God for the pulling down the strongholds. And in other versions, it says, you know, casting out our vain and wicked imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So there is something that exalts itself against the cross in our life. There are things that exalt us, exalt themselves over the victory that Jesus purchased. And I'll tell you this, when we really understand the victory that, I mean, and we believe it, we believe the, the victory, you get Believing results. The devil is cast out. Right? It, the person is healed. You know? Now let me keep going through some of these scriptures. So um, let me talk practically what this looks like. First of all, it looks like the Holy Spirit helping us stay awake so that we just don't take every thought. We don't just take every emotion. We just don't, we're not just receiving every single thing that comes our way just because we feel it, right? Or just because we think it. We don't say, oh, this must be real. This must be true. So it's first of all just this awakening, living from a place of awakeness where you're just not receiving it. Then secondly, it's asking for help. 
It's just saying, Holy Spirit, like I can recognize sometimes when I'm just, I am, there is a demonic imagination in my mind. Like this is not the will of God. I'm thinking of something right now that is not lovely and pure and good report. (laughs) Right? There is something in my heart right now that is not producing joy, peace, righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit. So I know this thing needs to, this guy thing got to be cast out. Right? And so there's, you, you, you ask for help. You say, Holy Spirit, I need the truth right now. And then you ask for a, instead of a vain and wicked imagination, you ask for a real spirit-led imagination. You ask for a vision. You ask for something that he shows you. You ask for the truth. And even if it's just a scripture, you know, you take that scripture. The scripture is a weapon. It's a sword, right? And then you stick with that thing. I mean, even that scripture, you know, he makes the barren one to be the joyful mother of children and keep house. I mean, you know, I took a couple of scriptures and I, I, the Lord gave me meditations out of that stuff. You know, I saw myself nine months pregnant. I mean, and, and every, I mean, telling you, things that have been strongholds in our lives, things that we have been trying to break through, you know, that it just seems like it's, it isn't coming down any other way. I, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's only the power of God that's going to break that thing because it's, it, the warpings of our warfare are not carnal. The thing is not coming down without something that's mighty through God for the destruction of the stronghold. God's going to destroy the stronghold. Does that make sense? He's going to destroy it. Right? And so, you know, he's, he will give you things. He will give you things. Because here's the deal. Until you can see the promise fulfilled, I mean, really see the promise fulfilled. I mean, you see it, you can breathe it, you can smell it, you can sniff it. With your spiritual senses, you're living in the future that doesn't yet exist, right? You're still, you still got pain in your body, but you see yourself totally healed. You're living in a future. You're living in the future that the promise will produce. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're living in that future. You, number one, you haven't received it. And you cannot be what you have not received. You cannot have what you have not received. If I have a gift over here, and I, you haven't received it from me yet, well, you can't get the benefits of the gift. Right? I mean, I might have the coolest walkie-talkie in the whole world, but you can't use the walkie-talkie because you haven't received the walkie-talkie. When you get the walkie-talkie, you can use the walkie-talkie, right? You know, in Mark eleven twenty-four, it says this. When you pray, right, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So this fight of faith, this war that we're in, it's a labor to enter into rest. It's a labor to believe. And the way that that stronghold gets demolished is that you develop a new one. And it's a new stronghold of you having already possessed it. And when you develop that stronghold of you already possessing it, it's a stronghold, which no matter what the enemy brings at you, cannot penetrate that stronghold. And you're no longer living off of your physical senses. You're no longer living off of what the natural evidence tells you. You're looking at what the spiritual evidence has told you. Because faith, it says in the Amplified, is the title deed. You've got the title. You've got ownership of something that you cannot see yet. You've got ownership of something 
that you have not experienced naturally yet, but you're fully experiencing spiritually. Are you guys following what I'm saying? And so let me say this. The reason so many times we're experiencing the strongholds is a stronghold of wrong belief. It's because we're living in what we're experiencing naturally rather than living in the promise of what God has spoken. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to make that real. It's to make that promise real to you. So when you pray, Lord, help me, how do you think he's going to help you? How, how is he going to help you? He's going to help you believe. And how, let me say this. You know how many things that I have stood for and not gotten and how many things I have stood for and gotten and how it always boils down to the same thing? It's never a different answer. It's never a different answer. Now, the enemy makes it so dang confusing that he wants you to think there's 100 different answers. There's only one answer. It's this answer. I'm giving you the answer today. And that's why he told me there's only one prayer you need. One prayer for 2016. Help my unbelief. Help me develop a new stronghold. Give me the right stronghold, God. And you can't... You can't receive what you can't see. You haven't received what you can't see. You can't. Because you haven't received it. And if you haven't received it, you aren't going to have it. Here's what it says. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it. And it will be yours. This is so simple. Believe, receive, it's yours. Believe, receive, it's yours. Believe, receive, it's yours. Do you recognize the war is right in here? The war is for you receiving it. We'll pray it. We'll pray it a hundred times. But have we ever received it? Can you see it? Let me say this. When you pray, when you ask for it, when you get the prophetic word, when you get the, 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 the promise out of the Bible, by his stripes I'm healed. As soon as you get that word, that word is seed. The battle begins the moment you get the word of God. The battle begins the moment you get the word of God. The enemy's coming for it. And he is not fighting fair. He will use anything, anyone, any way. He will be ugly. He is a child molester. He is insane. He will use anything, anything. He cannot afford for that thing to come to pass in your life. He cannot afford for Jesus to get glory. Because let me say this, like Joshua, how many of you know if Joshua had not operated in a faith, a whole nation a whole nation would have perished. Your destiny, what God is calling you to believe. There's a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of people that are going to be set free as a result of your freedom. Your victory matters. That thing manifesting in your life matters. It matters. Because your freedom, I'm telling you, it's, 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 it, it, it multiplies. And 
when that battle comes, you know, Mark chapter 4 is the foundational parable of the kingdom. Jesus told his disciples, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of the parables. So like Mark 4, if you want to know how the battle works, you look in Mark 4. The sower sows the word. So the word comes. However it comes, you open up your Bible and you get in there for yourself. Or the prophet comes or a prophetic gift comes or, and, and just speaks something over your life. Or you get something in your journal. God says, hey, this is my will for you. You know, or you're just standing. You, you know you got a stronghold. You don't need a word. <laughs> you, you live it every day. <laughs> right? You got a stronghold in your life. <laughs> you're experiencing it. You know, you don't need a prophet. You can prophesy yourself. I got an issue. Right? The moment you recognize that and you recognize the promise of God, the solution for that, it's on. It's on. I mean, I would love to tell you it's not on, but it's on. And, and your job is not to fight the battle naturally. We're laboring to enter into rest. And the only place of rest is where you're living in your future, you've already received it, and you're not moved by the rest of it. However, I said the place of rest is where you are living in your future. And you have possessed your future. Where? In the spirit, your spiritual eyes. You, you imagine it. You see it. You see it, you, 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 and, and you live there. You can smell it, you can, you can taste it, you can touch it, you can, you know, I remember, I mean, let me just give another example. We were going through, we had moved to Chicago, Brian had moved halfway across the country because he felt, you know, that God had called him to be, we were, we were going to get married, we weren't married, we weren't, we were married at this time. But when he first moved, we weren't married. You know, I was a part of Bill Winston's ministry. I was not moving, right? It took me 33 years to find a place where, hallelujah, I'm finally getting some truth. And I'm getting set free. And trust me, Brian didn't want to marry that version of me anyway. You know, and so I'm not leaving. I'm like, you know, ladies that are chasing men, stop it. That's so wrong. You don't have to chase anybody. I wasn't moving for anybody. I wasn't doing it. You know why? Because I knew that the plan of God was better than any plan I could have come up with. And if Brian was a part of that, well, then he could bring it to pass. Right? So Brian moved. And I'm telling you, it was like one thing after the other for this guy to get his plumbing license. I mean, he'd been a plumber how many years by then, Brian? 6 6 years, right? License, got all that stuff. And I mean, it was just, you know, first of all, the <laughs> it's like the mafia up in Chicago. I mean, you know, anything with that. I mean, I'm not kidding. You go to like even to the union hall down there, you're like thinking, "Oh god, is what's his name going to show up as a guy, you know, Capone?" Right? Like he's just going to walk <laughs> I mean, even the building looks like the, I mean, you know, I mean, if, 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 we're going to edit that, all that out. But, I mean, you know, you're dealing with, you're just dealing with, like, corrupt stuff all over the place up there. I mean, you really are. I'm just saying. It's a corrupt, it's a lot of corruption up there. That, that mob spirit's real. And so we, we just, like, we couldn't get, you know, and it was the enemy. The enemy was trying to keep Brian and I from, you know, really getting established. I mean, at the time, we sure didn't know we were going to get commissioned out halfway across the country and carry a vision. And I mean, we, 
I don't know if the enemy knew that either, but the, here's what I do know. When you're getting the kind of teaching that we were getting day in and day out and seeing the kind of miracles that we were seeing day in and day out, you are dangerous. You are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. You can't just be left to your own little, you know, kingdom manifesting self. You know, the devil's got to come after you. And so we could not, it's like every time he take the test, it was just like if something would happen, he just couldn't pass the dang test. It was like over and over and over again. So you know, he was working side jobs. He was doing things on his own. He was getting, a, we were, you know, working around it. It was after we got married. Now we're married. We have a little girl and he's taking the dang test again. I mean, we're talking years, right? I mean, this was a couple of years this thing went on. And it's not because he wasn't skilled. It's not because he wasn't able to do the work. It was spiritual. The weapon of your warfare I mean, he could have studied 20 hours. He could have studied 100 hours. I mean, he was. He was studying around the... I mean, he couldn't naturally... He wasn't naturally going to get it. I mean, I don't know, you guys. You got... At some point, you're going to have to understand there are some things in life that are never going to come to you any other way but supernaturally. You can try 50 million strategies but the enemy is going to cut you off every single time. You can't, you got to go up. You're going to have to go up to get that. Up and then down. And so Brian comes home after taking it, I don't know how many times, right? And he's like, you know, the dang practical part of the exam, something busted. Like, I, I mean, he, he's like thinking, I'm not going to pass it. And I'm telling you, I'm mad. I'm not mad. I'm just mad. I'm mad we're going around because it's money. It's things we need. And it's, I know it's demonic. I know it's demonic. So I, you know what I do? I do like what I do all the time when I get there. I go take a shower. <laughs> I'm in the shower and I'm praying. I'm, you know, I mean, you know, I'm just going after it. Just mad tongues. You know, sometimes you just got to pray mad tongues, you know, and I'm just mad tonguing it and praying and praying and praying. And I, the first thing I remember, and I'm always praying. When I'm praying, I'm always praying to see. I'm always praying to see. I'm breaking through the natural realm. I'm breaking through what the, the circumstances are telling me because I gotta see something. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get my spiritual senses in, in touch with something that is not natural. And I got up there and the first thing I saw was like the enemy's camp. Backing up like this as I'm just, you know, just mad tonguing. And there, I see them. I see them just backing up. I see them backing up. It's like they had us surrounded and they were backing up, backing up. And man, you know, that just encouraged me more. I just got louder. Yeah. You know, just go after it. And they're back and they're backing up. They're backing up, backing up. And then I heard the Lord clearly speak to me. The same thing he's spoken to me. If I had a dollar for every time about it, it would be awesome. He said, what do you, what do you see? You know what we saw? We saw the battle. We saw the, you know, problem with the test. We saw all the times that we tried and it, you know, hadn't worked. We never saw it finished. Like, here, we've been doing this all this time. I had a baby this way. We're parents by this time, and we still aren't seeing it. I'm like, man, I couldn't get out of that shower fast enough. I got out of the shower, probably just had a test. Hey, honey, 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 God said, what do we see? What do we see? You know, and I run in the kitchen, and I'm, and Brian, you know, he knows enough by now. He's like, I'm like, so he said, tell me what you see. And Brian's like, okay. Well, I see my plumbing van, and I see my, my company side thing on it, and I see I'm driving around. I got my plumbing license, right? And I saw going to the mailbox 
and getting the test out of the mail and opening it up, and it was a passing grade. At this point, we saw it. We were in agreement. We're like, all right, we got it. Now, let me tell you, the battle is on. We were already in a battle, but it was going to take two weeks for that thing to show up. So now we got to wait for the results. And don't you think every day the enemy's coming? You know, you know, you're going to pass that test. You know, that thing broke. You know, I mean, just <laughs> torment. Just, uh, uh, uh. but the Lord had shown us. You know what? You might say something. No, I'm at the mailbox. I'm in the mailbox. I'm getting it. I'm living. I'm living that vision. I'm just keep going back to the mailbox. I'm opening up the, pa- I can still see it clearly today. I see the passing grade on the piece of paper. I see myself at the mailbox. Why? Because I prayed and I received. Now it's just I'm waiting for the, and you'll have it. (laughs) And it's yours. So now I'm in the, in it's yours phase. Right? And, you know, make a long story short, I remember Brian was off one day. He's going to get the mail. It's like two weeks later. Any day now it's coming. He's like going to get the mail. I mean, when he's walking out the door, I said, it's not going to be there. He said, why? I said, because that's not how I saw it. I get the mail. Didn't I say that? He went out and got the mail. Sure enough, it wasn't there. The very next day, he went and got the mail. And when I opened up that envelope, passing, and I'm telling you, there was no way in the natural. To this day, Brian knows he messed up. There's lessons in that. That you don't even have to do it all perfect. Right? So I just want to say, as I'm closing here, man, Mark 4 is a picture of the battle. And it's a picture, if you really study it, of how the right stronghold, how the progress of building that, rock strong, that right stronghold is coming. Like, when you have the wrong stronghold and it's just the unbelief that's there, I'm telling you, that's like the heart that's so hard that the enemy just comes immediately and steals the seed. Because there's no, the truth can't even get in there, right? The stronghold is so strong. Does that make sense? And then you've got the one, right, where the seed gets in a little bit, right? If you read that, if you read, if you go over to Mark 4, there's different conditions of the heart. I just want to say different conditions of unbelief, different conditions of the stronghold, right? And it says here that, um, you know, when you have no root in yourself in verse 17, well, verse 16, you receive it when you hear it, okay? So the prophecy comes, woo, you're reading the Bible, woo, you get it, yeah, right? But then you don't have a root. It means it hasn't really grown roots yet. You've got a seed, but the, the truth has not really sunk down in there yet and started to grow as true. And so you endure for a little while, but when trouble or persecution arises, listen to this, on account of the word, you know, people, I've had to come to terms with the reason why I've had so much opposition is because I've had, I have a big word. I have a big word I'm standing on. A ridiculous word that I personally am standing on. So for me to think that it's just going to be like, I'm just going to waltz in, do, 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 do. No. It arises for the word. The enemy is coming with trouble, persecution for the word. And here's what happened. If you don't have any roots, you're going to get offended. And you're going to fall away, you're going to get resentful, you're going to be whatever, bitter, you're going to get, your heart's going to get polluted. And what happens? The promise is killed. The prophetic word is aborted. And it's, here's what it says though. Those that are sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word, receive the word, accept and welcome it and bear fruit. 
30, 60, 100 times more. So this is when the new stronghold overtakes the old stronghold. You know, and I, for me, I mean, wow, I have a baby, right? I mean, wow, you have a passing grade. It's the manifestation. It's the manifestation of the promise. It's where the word becomes flesh. And it's not going to come. I'm not saying you can't get stuff. You'll get stuff. I mean, you can get stuff. I mean, you can take your medicine and get rid of symptoms. I mean, there's not that there's not natural ways to get some things. But it's going to take the supernatural. It's going to take the supernatural. So what am I saying? You've got to live in a future that doesn't yet exist. And you have to be so convinced of that future that no matter what, nothing can convince you otherwise that that's the future. See, God has spoken identity words over each of you. You know, you're a healer. You're wealthy. You're a minister. You're a businessman. You're a worshiper. You're, you know, just identity words. You're a prophet. You're just things over us. And there's an attack. There's a battle. There's a battle over your identity. There's a battle. There's a battle. And sometimes I think it's, you know, we're always, we want to know what's wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I'm telling you, as long as I've been doing this, as long as I've been walking with the Lord, I've never heard him bring a different correction. Because the truth is there's no other way to receive. And truthfully, if you need to receive something, if he's got to do something in your life, I don't care if it's character, I don't care, I don't care what area of our life it is, he's going to do the one, he's going to do the changing. I mean, what do you think goes on in these Rethink RMR sessions? It's just lies and truth, lies and truth, lies and truth, lies and truth. Stronghold, stronghold. Taking an old stronghold, putting in a new stronghold. Taking an old stronghold, putting in a new stronghold. It's just done quickly. <laughs> it's just done quickly. Right? Here's where that stupid stronghold was started, and here's where the right stronghold. Now it's the right stronghold. And you come out of there, and you're just like, wow. And you experience things you've never experienced before because you don't you believe differently. Amen? So I've been saying a few things that I'm going to close with this. God has at least one scripture over your life for this year. That, I mean, he just, I mean, it's like for me, when he was like, Christ in you, the hope of glory. One scripture. You know what? It's not the quantity of stuff that we get. It's, it's the truth that we know that sets us free. There's a scripture that God is wanting you to just grab hold of. This is corporately the one that he's spoken over our house. But there's something God's trying to do in you. There's a stronghold he's after, and he's just wanting, or he's trying to establish. He's trying to establish something in your life. You know what I mean? I, some of you that I know, I mean, I can just, I could speak them out. Like, I, you know, because I'm in agreement with what God's doing in your life. But you need to know that. And you need to be faithful doing that. You need to be faithful meditating that scripture and letting it produce the right believing in you. Right? And then there's also, I'm just, there's a few things out that I've been speaking since, you know, early December. This, this meditation scripture is one, right? The word that it had, God has over your life this year. There's a word. There's a single word that God is speaking. This is, your, this is the word over your life this year. What was yours, Lisa? Saturation. What was yours? Extravagant. What was yours, Shelly? Purpose. 
right now. I should be able to point him. Anybody in this house? And you should be able to give me that word. But you know, we don't just let it be some word you hear. Like if it's the word, I get it. You can go and drink with a fire hose at a million different places. You really can. You can go and hear all kinds of stuff. But I can tell you, I have learned what the Father is doing is the only thing that matters. We are living in an information age. Talk about it being easily confused. One word. One word. One scripture. And I just, I said this last thing, and I'm going to end with this last thing. I said there were three things. I, I said one, they're really, if you, it depends on how big it is. <laughs> For me, it's so big, I, I can't deal with more than one. But if there's one one thing God's asking you to believe for. There's three. I said three. But sometimes, you know, we're just, we're not, we can't multitask as well as we think we can sometimes. Right? You can, you can get three. After you get the one, you can get the second one. Then you get the third one. You can do them in order. We don't have to try to do all three at once. But, what, you know, is there one thing? Is there one thing that God is wanting to see like this? And this is a, what I kind of see this, this one thing as, if you're trying to figure out what it is or trying to ask the Lord what it is, how many of you have seen those little domino formations where you press the one and, right? There is one that if you push it over, it starts a chain reaction. You hear what I'm saying? And that chain reaction domino, that chain reaction breakthrough is what I believe God is asking us to, to focus on. And it's so easy just to get scattered. And the American church is so scattered. There's so many gifts so many awesome places to go get word. There's so much you can be absorbing, so much to learn. So much, I mean, it's just, it really is, you know. But I'll end with this scripture. And this scripture, man, every time I read it, it's like one of those scriptures you read and you just, you don't know whether to say, oh, oh, amen or oh me, you know. It, it, um, but I do read it. I, I read it. Let me just bring it up. It's in John 17, and it's um, a scripture where Jesus, you know, he's praying. I always say, we think the Lord's Prayer is Matthew 6. I don't agree. I think the Lord's Prayer is John 17. Um, Because this is really Jesus praying. And John, to me, Matthew 6 is, if you go through that, you can, that's a post-cross prayer. Um, I mean, a pre-cross prayer. But here is um, what Jesus said. Um, There's so much here. But in verse 4 is the one I wanted to talk about today. And it says this, I have glorified you down here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And that's why just getting word from a million, you know, a million sources, you know, you got to be where you're supposed to be. You got to be hearing what you're supposed to be hearing. You know, you got to, you, you really do. And you got to get free from the opinions of men about it. You, you can't, you, you got to hear God and you got to be a son. You got to be a son and you got to be hear God and you got it because you want to be able to say, I have glorified you here on earth by doing the work, by completing the work that you gave me to do. And I'll tell you, the enemy's after this. He is after this. He doesn't want the Father glorified on earth. And he doesn't want you to complete the work that you've been given to do. So when I say the one thing, hear me, one scripture. 
right? One word, one goal. The breakthrough goal, the breakthrough domino. I mean, there'll be more after that. But if you can, if you can pray, receive this one thing, then you can pray, receive anything. You know, the same way we received our children, the same way we received that plumbing test is the same way we're going to receive the things that God is asking us to believe for this year. It's not a new way. It's the way. But, you know, the the battle sometimes is just not to be confused. I mean, I'll tell you, the spirit of confusion is a mighty weapon of the enemy. That's why strife, man, you just can't have it once named among you. It says where there is strife, there is evil and every confusion work. You can't have strife, you've got to get it out of your life. Recognize it's a spirit and speak to it. Speak to it and get it out. Don't entertain it. Because I'm telling you, it's not so much the strife. I mean, the strife is this, but it's a distraction and it'll cause confusion. And when you have confusion, you can't receive jack. Right? Because you can't see, you can't hear, you know, you got to get out of that confusion. Practice the presence. I'm just going to speak to some of the things I said. Practice the presence. Get into the glory zone. Learn how to experience the tangible. Get out of this realm. Get out of this realm. This realm is confusing. Get out of it. And if you find you're stuck in it, dude, man, take a day off. Take a freaking day off. Trust God to make up your paycheck. Take a day off because you can't, you, you can't afford to operate in the flesh. If you want to know what you can't afford, you can't afford to operate in the flesh. I mean, you can go with, you can skip a meal, <laughs> you know, but you, you got to, you, we got to get up in there, stay in there and stay focused in your journal. Once you get that word, once you get that scripture, once you get that one thing that God's doing right now and this year, you write it in your journal, the front page, you write it, keep it in front of you, keep it because the enemy's coming for it. There's a battle for it. You're going to have to mark five it, mark for it. All right. I'm going to wrap it up. Did y'all get something? I feel like I was coming like a locomotive today. But, amen? Thank you, Jesus. You got a question? We have a hand raised. Okay. Some Q&A now. It's okay. The enemy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because well, let's be clear with. Well, it's it, it's it, it's because of. Okay, so are you asking why we are in war? What is the question? Uh huh. Why are we in a battle? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. It's totally because you don't know. I mean, I mean, th- th- we always always say this. Why could John G. Lake literally kill a, a plague with his saliva? I mean, when the war has been won, but it works for John G. Lake. Why would why did it work for John G. Lake? Because the war has been won. Let's be clear. It worked for John G. Lake because the war has been won. I always say this. You're not the healed. You're not the you're not the sick trying to get healed. You're not the broken trying to get um, whole. You're not the poor trying to get rich. You're the rich resisting poverty. You're the healed resisting sickness. You're the whole resisting brokenness. So it's a complete, you're enforcing what Jesus has already done. And there's, because it has to be enforced in your life, Aang. 
Yes, the, I mean, like, you won't experience the victory until you receive the victory. It's kind of like the slaves that got set free by the Emancipation Proclamation. I mean, the government set them free, but they didn't live free just because the government proclaimed they were free, because the poverty was inside of them. Where? In their mindsets. Think about it. The Israelites came out of Egypt, but yet they didn't live free. Egypt was still in them. So it's the, the, when you get born again, the whole rest of your Christian walk is renewing your mind to what it actually means to be born again. Does that make sense? And as long as you don't know your authority, you have no authority. Even though you have authority. It's like, I gave you a million dollars, but I put it in a bank account. Because Adam handed it over. Because Adam handed it over. And Jesus won it back. But Jesus has not returned to this earth yet. The church is expected to enforce what Jesus has already done. We are, we are Jesus in the earth right now. So it's no, no different than when Jesus was here. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the, we're not living with heaven spiritually. I mean, physically being on earth right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus is not, you know, there's not the new Jerusalem. You know what I mean? Like, and all that's debatable how that people will think that's all going to happen anyway. But we are living in the season post-resurrection where we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And so what Christ's victory is being enforced in the earth through the church. So to the extent the church does its job, it's heaven on earth. To the extent the church doesn't know, the devil wins even though he's been defeated. So, for example, this morning, Chris, you had a headache, right? He's up here. All of a sudden, I get in a blasted with a headache. He can't worship. He can't do anything. And I'm like, so I had to enforce the victory of Jesus over that spirit of pain. And I'll tell you what, that pain will not bow if you don't know. And it came back how many times? And what did I, the whole time, you know what I spoke to that pain, that spirit of pain? How it had no right. And I could hear it talking. I could, I mean, it'll try to tell you, well, you don't believe, or you, Chris is, blah, blah, blah. it'll try to give you a million reasons why it doesn't have to bow. And I, and I just talk right out loud to it, like I'm crazy. Just talk like a crazy person, like I'm talking, like those homeless people, right? I'm just like, listen, who do you think you're talking to? You act like I don't know. You act like, you know, G, this isn't about me, this isn't about Chris, this is about Jesus. Now you get down on your, I mean, I'm talking to the Spirit, letting it know that I know what Jesus accomplished. And it has no, it's not going to fool me. I'm convinced. And that is a stronghold in my life. I do know. I've been casting out devils for a long time. I've seen them do all kinds of crazy stuff. And so it knows It knows that I know. And it will bow. And when it doesn't bow, it's always because of unbelief. Always. How do I know? Because that's what Jesus said. You faithless and perverse generation, how long must I suffer you? Bring the child to me. And Jesus had perfect belief. He had right belief. I mean, he told his disciples, you know, he would test them. Go feed the multitude. Philip, you know, and he said he would test them because he knew what himself was going to do. So Jesus had perfect belief. He was working with these disciples who didn't have perfect belief. Does that make sense? So it's according to your faith. It's according to what you believe. And that's, I'll say this. I have prayed enough with people. I know that I know. know It's too late. I've already seen it. The devil sees what you see. And he really wants what you see because he can only work to the extent of what you see. Right? 
And I've been, I mean, raising people from the dead. I've seen it. I've seen rigor mortis leave a body, and I've seen it come back. I've literally sat and prayed with someone to be raised from the dead for about seven or eight hours. And I have seen it work and see it not work. I literally saw color, their skin warm up. I didn't know at that time that there were testimonies of people progressively being raised from the dead, or I, I would not have stopped. I mean, but I'm telling you, can, you can literally see the force of faith work and the force of faith not work. You can see belief and unbelief, and you can see it manifest when you're praying for healing especially, or you're casting out a devil, or you're, when you, like with, even like with Heath and those eyes, that thing started, his vision got worse when I started praying for him. And you know how long did it take? 30 minutes? Maybe 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, but I... It,